Back. 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 Uh, back. Oh, back. I see. This is back. this is a this, I so sorry folks. Uh Will is predisposed this week, so uh now, my co-host is a goose. Back. 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 Really? Okay, so that's what you think of the Trudeau stuff, huh? Interesting. Back. Huh. Back. What a what what a what a nuanced take from a goose of all things. Okay. <laughs> Uh, not quite. Uh, oh, Will, you're back. You're back. Oh, okay. Sorry, everybody. The goose had to leave. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was saying some problematic stuff about this election. Uh, uh, but luckily, I was able to get a hold of Will on short notice. So it's the OG cast back again. ECL reunion tour. The goose has been an unwelcome guest uh, <laughs> over the last week in this house. So <laughs> I can't be held responsible for anything that he might have said in the in the interim. Oh, yeah, I'm glad you're back, because he was wilding, let me tell you. Uh, I've got Untitled Goose Game Fever, myself and uh, my wife do. We've been enjoying it a great deal. I've yet to play it. I really want to, you know, we've talked about how much I like Donut County and stuff like that, and it kind of seems like a game in that vein. Uh, So I'm looking forward to playing it uh, eventually, when my life slows down just a little bit. Very much so. I think it's uh, enjoyable that way, and very, very charming, very relaxing. And uh, challenging in its own way. Uh, I'm, I'm having a really fun time with it. It's also a great game to play with somebody. So I'd recommend that too. Ooh, okay. Welcome everybody. It's Elwood City Limits. This is the Episodic Arthur Podcast. Thank you very much for uh, joining us here once again. This is uh, Will Young and my co-host Lucas Mancini. Back again for a, another week in the saddle. Yeah, and uh, we continue our trek through Season 8 uh man can't wait to talk about this one i'm i'm really excited i hope you guys are too yeah i mean it, it i mean it's it's early goings in fall yet you know we're in in mid to late september uh it's not yes oct not yet october uh but it looks like spooky season has come early this year yeah we're we're, we're getting spooky spooktober uh i don't know what it is but um i think it's because i finally accepted fall i feel like all of fall now has just become Halloween. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like everybody's just so eager that it's like, uh, why are we even waiting? Let's just let's just accept it and make fall the Halloween month. People have, and I for, I for one am about it. People have already um, started to uh, change their names their their Twitter names to their spooky versions. It's like it's not even October Ooh. the first, man. It's people just can't wait to be scared. Honestly, with with everything going on with this election, with the environment, it's it's a scary time, mm. uh, and I, I think Halloween is one of those few escapes. Uh, so yeah, uh, bring it on, bring on Libra season, bring on All Hallows Eve, uh, uh, bring on this episode of Arthur that we're about to talk about. I think much in the same way that I enjoy like scary video games and stuff like that. It's wanting to be in control of the scary thing that you're interacting with, whereas the things that we're dealing with on a daily basis here living in 2019 are very much out of our control in very uh, fraught and terrifying ways. So, uh, uh, you know, engaging in your favorite spooky parts of the season uh, is a good way to kind of uh, um, interact with uh, the scary parts of life. speaking Speaking of the scary parts of life... Checking your email is one of them, but luckily not the case of Elwood City Limits, right? That's right. In fact, uh, I get exactly the opposite of email 
um, phobia. I, I know that some people have a hard time really opening up their inbox, but I never have a hard time because it's always great to get uh, some feedback from listeners like you at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And we do have a couple of them this week. Uh, our first one comes to us from former guest of the show, Viv, a.k.a. Arthur and Buster BFFL. Now, this one's a bit of a long one, as Viv, as Viv admits, but I'm going to just kind of uh, hit the uh, hit the highlights here. Uh, she's even, uh, even got page breaks in this email, so it was serious business collecting up a lot of her thoughts here. Uh, so first of all, going back to our most recent ECL commentary, Arthur's Missing Pal, uh, Viv thought it was funny that we couldn't hear anything, and made me imagine the movie as a silent movie, and I think that movie would be Ooh, ten times better. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's that was true. If you go back and listen to that commentary, we don't know what any of the songs sound like, and as a few people have told us, probably for the better. Um, though, you know what? One Josh Owen did say that he, he watched it with sound, and he enjoyed the film, so uh, conflicting reports, I suppose. Uh, I'm never going to watch it again, though, so I'll never... Uh... I'll never know any better. We won't be able to corroborate that. Uh, now on to our most recent ECL Presents episode. That was me and DJ Bob talking about uh, the final Arthur uh, music CD. The song, Buster song, I Can't Snap My Fingers. But in the Jingle Bells song, in the previous album, Buster is able to snap his fingers during the song. So if these songs are somehow canon to the show, then the I Can't Snap My Fingers song slash story must come before the Jingle Bells one. Uh, so, okay, more, more about the Arthur timeline. We talked about it in last week's episode and, uh, yeah. And, and there's, we're actually going to get into that a little bit in this very episode we're talking about. So this is very prescient as well. <laughs> when you two were talking about Fern's song, I thought she could do an original Gothic rock song. That would be absolutely perfect. I'd love to do, I'd love to have Fern do like a type O negatives type song. Like drop, drop a voice down really low and talk about... Uh, Wolf Moon. <laughs> I would love that. That's like everything I love in life just coming together. Uh, then on to the, I think this was from two episodes ago, the I Hate Martin Spivak episode. Um, the Dear Adil part of the episode it reminded me when that episode inspired me to get a pen pal. I wasn't successful finding a permanent friend at that time, but I remember someone telling me about this magical place where you're able to post videos of your own creation. YouTube. At the time, it blew my mind that a place like that on the internet exists, and it was very magical for me. Also, years later, I went back to searching for a pen pal. I found one, and we are still friends to this day. Lucas, we're in the time we're in the time of our lives where people are talking about like, yeah, I remember years ago when YouTube was new. Uh oh yes, I, I the 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 heralded days of two thousand five, two thousand six. Uh, was it? Uh, yeah. So for some reason I had 2008 in my head, but I think you're right. It was like 2000. No, no, no. It was long before that. Mm. It was it was pre the Nintendo Wii, which came out in 2006. I would have been in high school when uh, YouTube first came out, and I, and I still, if I think really hard, I can remember what the old layout looks like. Uh, uh, Viv is also very much in thinking that Fern will be an awesome goth someday. And uh, that's going to be the... Especially in this episode, for sure. Oh, sure. That's going to be the big hits there from Viv. Thanks, Viv. It was good to hear from you. Our next one comes from one of our patrons, Christine Wong, who is glad that uh, both of us made it through Hurricane Dorian unscathed. Uh, 
With last episode focusing on Arthur and Buster's burgeoning snow shoveling business, it got me thinking about side hustles. Personally, I manage a local chapter of a charity, including my chapter's social media. In my day job, I work in business-to-business Aww, marketing. That's, that's that's the most wholesome side hustle I've ever heard. Yeah. In that it's, it's you know, uh, not a... Uh, uh... Uh, not making money for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I almost would. I, I would be uh, slow to call that a, a hustle because I guess I guess the word hustle has a bit uh, a bit of a maybe value neutral uh, connotation to it, where that that sounds generally quite positive. In my day job, I work in business to business marketing, which means the content I work on relies on logical appeals to the audience as opposed to emotion. In addition to contributing to a good cause. I appreciate volunteering my time because I feel like it allows me to challenge myself professionally and take bigger risks than I could at work. Since Lucas mentioned that Elwood City Limits was on his resume, I was wondering if this podcast has helped you two professionally in any way. Does the podcast ever come up in job interviews or networking? Are the employers in the Halifax Dartmouth area aware of the cultural impact of Elwood City Limits? That's from Christine. So yeah, Lucas, uh, you recently talked about how you know Elwood City Limits is on your resume. Uh, my wife, at my wife's suggestion, I did the same thing because it's like, it really is, uh, something of a job that, that we do here. But I wonder, have you seen any, uh, opportunities or recognition from that? Like Christine's talking about. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like I, like I said, it's on my resume and it's always a fun story in an interview. You know, I'm now in a job now where, uh, I'm on the road a lot and I'm working with a lot of other people that are on the road a lot and someone leaked that uh, I have a podcast, and that was quite the topic at the dinner table with all these people in terms of uh, 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 they were all like, oh, we'll all have to listen. And I was a little bit embarrassed, but I was like, oh, okay, that's fun. I um, I mean, I bring it up sometimes in like a joking manner because there's almost like no way to really naturally bring it up. So I'm just like, well, just so you know, I have a podcast and just like putting on the kind of fake – uh, magnanimous kind of thing. Oh, uh, but in terms of opportunities, I mean, we have had opportunities like all of the guest episodes that have come across in the last couple of years were because of this show and the fact that we're out there and making content uh, has led us to meet some really cool people and kind of talk with them in that regard. Um, but beyond that, at least speaking personally, uh. <laughs> I guess it's part of my own specific anxiety. Um, I, di- I guess I, I could be doing more to take advantage of our identity and our, uh, um, our, our reputation, I guess. But it's, uh, it kind of, uh, it's, it's hard for, it's hard for me to do that based on my kind of, uh, personal ch- uh, mental challenges. I oh, guess. well you do it. You, I know what you're saying, but you also do it fine. You know, we, uh, uh, we, it's, it's a little bit of a, uh, 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 it's a, it's a struggle always to toot your own horn, but you do well with the social media and, you know, we've, you, you've done well kind of workshopping to get us guests, you know, you got Bruce Dinsmore on the show for goodness sake, uh, uh, more guests to come. So I think you need to pat yourself on the back a little bit. I guess I guess I'm always of the mind that I could be doing more, and, I, and that comes from comparing myself to the podcasts that continue to inspire this very one. And it's you know that's kind of a losing game. I'm trying to get out of that mindset. It's 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 tough, but I know that 
Lucas and I work very hard, and you guys are very quick to let us know that we work hard. So um, if, if we come across any more great opportunities because of our status, well, I'll let you know. Like, maybe, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll place in Best of Halifax this year, and we'll definitely let you know about that. Ooh, oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to let everybody in my life know about that. Oh, you better believe it. Uh, we have one more here from Yoshi says uh hope that we're both well belated congrats on 100 plus episodes elwood city turns 100 is my favorite of all time and i was excited for y'all to cover it and glad you included clips of the music i have a theory or rather some thoughts about buster and wanted your opinion buster has several different adult men slash father figure ish people who sort of pop in and out of his life his father who's a pilot who he sees rarely mr morris who moved away to live with his daughter Harry Mills, who sticks around mostly, but is no longer dating Bitsy, and Mr. Langley, a gardener in some season nine episodes who, spoiler alert, moves away not long after he's introduced. What's up with this? Do you think this is a conscious choice on the part of the writers? If so, why? So interesting question here, Lucas. I mean, I I feel like it's probably goes along with the fact that Buster is a child of divorce and you you have the opportunity to tell these types of stories and include these types of characters, which is why I um, was initially pretty positive about the inclusion of Harry into Buster's stories. And then he kind of ended up not really going anywhere. They didn't use him a whole lot. I was interested in how we could tell stories about Buster having a father figure who wasn't his father. Uh, not only is he a child of divorce, he's also in the situation where his dad is away most of the time, right? So there's kind of that empty spot to slide in your, and I guess in some cases these characters very much are, throwaway character of the week to kind of uh, fill that role and and give Buster a new lesson. And I don't know if it's a conscious decision, like if the writers really just want to be torturing Buster. I think it's more less that and more that it's just probably a fun writing exercise to mm-hmm. be like, okay, who's going to be giving Buster this kind of fatherly advice this time? You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, def- definitely not to, to, to torture him or anything like that. I wouldn't think so. But yeah, just for the kind of opportunities that it'll the Arthur have. writers out here, uh, the Arthur writers out here treating Buster like the Coen brothers treat the protagonist of like a serious man or something. They just like <laughs> they... revel in his pain. <laughs> <laughs> man, I hope not. Jeez. Thank you, Yoshi. That's a good question to be asking. And uh, if you have any thoughts on that or anything else that we talk about within a, the run of a typical Elwood City Limits episode, please let us know. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com is where you can email us. Also, uh, we are brought to you by our lovely patrons over at Patreon.com. And we want to give them a special shout out by telling you who they are. They are such wonderful people as Aaron DeFilippo and Alex, Caitlin Harrington, Chandler Lefebvre Boten, Christine Wong, Christopher Ifill, Sierra S and Crescent Fresh. We have a lot of C's and I feel like I said that last week. I'm going to try not to say the same thing. Uh, Dan, Mike Dawson, Silva, Emily K, Froppy, Ian Collis, Jake Bailey, Joe Sue, John DeLong, and John Griswold. Kat, Kaylin Krogel, Kevin Noon, and Kristen. Leanne S., Light Relentless, Macy Ball, and Michaela Gibson. Riley Stevens and Ross Ward, Shayna Bennett, Stella, Teresa, and William. Thanks, everybody. You uh, make this a lot more fun to do. And if you'd like to become a patron, it takes as little as a dollar a month. All right, let's get into it. It's time for Fernkenstein's Monster. Right from the right from the title. That's how you hook me. 
<laughs> I know. I could tell this was going to be a you episode from the jump. <laughs> I'm glad because I think I have that exact same note. Um, basically, it starts off in I, I I remembered this cold open. I didn't think uh, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared for it to be here though, um, because it's Fern talking about the creation of the story Frankenstein, which, as it goes, it was the creation of author Mary Shelley who was doing uh, some manner of competition with a couple of writer friends of hers uh, back in the day. I forget exactly when Frankenstein was published. But the the challenge, at least purported here in Arthur, is that they were trying to tell each other the scariest story they could think of. And so they actually use lines from the original novel Frankenstein like she starts off oh the story. I see I'm I'm so unfamiliar that I didn't even realize that yeah she starts up the story with like the actual beginning of the book uh so the thing is is that this is presented in a different a bit of a different art style like it looks kind of like Arthur but the the backgrounds are all kind of washed out black and white and the characters are very Matt Damon on Arthur you know what I mean it, it it's true, but it kind of works in a way. Like Matt Damon or Arthur just kind of looks odd. It looks like a furry from like a furry convention or something, or just like he looks too human. Where this like I, something about the proportions. Like usually, I think Arthur's characters' heads are really large, um, whereas these people's these people have uh, proportional heads to their body, which seems actually pretty small when compared to regular Arthur characters. And mm-hmm. then we have these kind of these backgrounds where there's some color, but then some other color missing. You can tell they had a lot of fun with this change of art style. It's really interesting because I can't even really tell what it's riffing on in a way. Um, but I was really into this from the jump. I'm like, okay, this looks like no other Arthur episode I've seen before. And so I was paying close attention. And the sparseness of the background, the black and white, uh, really makes the colors of the characters pop. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, f- uh, I called them I called them basically humans. Uh, they're I found them a little uncanny, a little weird. But uh, mm. the art style itself is interesting. In fact, as uh, so, Mary Shelley tells her story, and it kind of shows time passing, and she ends it because, of course, if she's telling the story of Frankenstein, it takes a long time. And <laughs> when she finishes telling her friends, uh, who I imagine uh, people. Um, who listened a lot more in their English degree than I did, could probably tell you who these other three authors are. They go over their shocked reactions. I found that their facial reactions were very anime. Oh, interesting. I didn't even pick up on that, and, you know, I'm the anime guy. Well, their faces are very, like, not in the style, not meant to be very cartoony. They're meant to be a bit more realistic, but when they have their eyes open, I don't know. It's just kind of reminded me of, like, an like an anime. Like, uh, I, I don't know, like, maybe something a little bit more down-to-earth, like, maybe, like say, a Death Note or something, like a shocked oh, wow. reaction. Okay. Oh, I take a potato chip and eat it, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's so Mary Shelley's story scares them. Uh, this um, this leads to after the cold open, uh, Fern has the idea for everybody, uh, everybody being uh, Arthur, Buster, and Muffy and Fern to tell their scariest stories uh, because it's been raining for three days in Elwood City and they're trapped inside with nothing to do. Uh, and at this point, this is where uh, Fern invents SCPs. 
because uh, that's essentially what everyone does is if you're not familiar they they kind of make their own scp creepypasta characters uh yeah so th- uh, i also want to note here this is the basis of one of my favorite community episodes speaking of halloween uh the wife and i love watching the community halloween episodes every october so we'll be doing that soon but uh the episode where they all tell scary stories uh have you ever seen will speaking of yeah. halloween rewatches uh you know there's there's many i go back to of course the original john carpenter halloween every october yep. Uh, but I also try to make a note of watching Over the Garden Wall. Have you seen Over the Garden Wall? So I just became aware of this a couple of days ago, and I... Uh... Oh, really? You've ne- Oh, Will, I, I, you would love Over the Garden Wall. I kind of have a sense of your, your kind of tastes. Mm-hmm. I think you would really, really enjoy it. I'm really interested to watch it. I kind of like just read up about it on Wikipedia, and I saw like a gif or two of it, and I really like the look of it. So I'm going to try and track it down. Uh, very soon, and hopefully I'll be able to watch it in time for Halloween. So, uh, but but thank you, I appreciate. It. Like I had never heard of it before this year. I oh wow you, oh I'm I'm so excited for you. You got to make sure to go in completely cold because it's it's quite a delight. Uh, also, uh, though it's a mini series, so the same rules don't really apply. It also has his own throwaway character of the show. That is a highlight for me, which is the Highwayman. Be on the lookout for the Highwayman, okay? Because he is my throwaway character of the show. I also think that I was confusing it with. There's like a there's a children's show with. I mean, this is an animated show, uh, but there is a child like a show intended for small children that has a very similar name, and I think I was kind of confusing it with that. Oh, something in the garden. I think I know what in, you're talking. In it's the like night a- garden. In the Night Garden, it's like a Yo Gabba Gabba type thing. Kind of, yeah. So I think I just thought that's what that was. Okay, over over the garden wall, I'm going to be looking out for it. Uh, yeah, so everybody kind of does their passes at a scary story. Like, Buster's is basically just thinking of, like, uh, the scariest thing he can imagine, uh, which is first a vampire, then a giant radioactive lizard, and then a lizard vampire, which the, which is the only difference between the giant lizard and the vampire is that now the lizard has a Dracula cape, which I thought was funny. Uh, and then Buster's just like, and it was really scary, the end. <laughs> um, Muffy's whole thing is a story about a girl who goes dancing in a really pretty dress at a for for like a hot second here, I thought Muffy's was gonna be a parody of the movie They to Shoot Horses, don't they? And I was like, what? And then, but luckily, like another second went by, and I said, okay, no, it's just about Muffy at a dance. But for like a split second here, which Muffy was like, there was a girl and she danced and danced and danced. I was like, uh, is this a parody of the movie They Shoot Horses, don't they? Where the girl dances so much she dies. <laughs> I've only heard of the name, is uh, so I I'll take your word for it. But uh, yeah, that movie's about a dance till you stop competition, and they dance till they stop. Spoilers for they shoot horses, don't they? Okay, now is that is that is it like a a potential Halloween watch? Oh, I have no idea. I've never seen the movie. I just uh, it was one of those movies where I think I similar to you, I read it out of, of a Wikipedia because it came up in there's like a YouTube video that's like every single movie where they say the name of the movie in a part of the movie. Oh yeah. And of course, they shoot horses, don't they? Is a line from the end of the film. Uh, and I was like, this is a crazy conceit for a movie. <laughs> okay, over the garden wall, I am placing a hold on it at my local library, and I'm first oh. in line. 
in case, in case, <laughs> and I'll and I'll update everybody as I go along here. Perfect. That might be a, some filibuster fare if uh, if we have a week off coming up. Could be. Uh, yeah. So Muffy uh, in and in her story, uh, George uh, like spills punch on her amazing dress, and that's the scary part. Um, and then finally, Arthur's story is that he tells the story of these. Uh, this clown underwear that a boy gets for his birthday and then hides in his underwear drawer. And then one day his pants accidentally fall down in, in class. And there they were, the, the clown underwear. And then Muffy is, immediately ties this into the fact that Arthur still has a phobia about his underwear, his pants coming off in public. Uh, which I guess puts this after Arthur's underwear. Because she said, that thing with your underwear happened months ago. Yeah, uh, Arthur, uh, you got to get over your underwear obsession, I think is a line that she says, Mm -hmm. which is a very funny thing to now know is said in an episode of Arthur. (laughs) (laughs) True lines that actually happened. Uh, So after that, Fern has her SCP story. Like, I I didn't put that together, but that's a very good uh, observation. And she's a really descriptive storyteller. It's actually a really good um piece i'd i'd say uh writing and also great performance by fern's voice actor to there's there's a lot of great there's a lot of great details in this sequence as well and like when fern is kind of describing like all the setup is animated and we kind of see the evil umbrella uh before us Mm -hmm. uh but when it's doing all the really heinous stuff it's we just kind of see the shots of the kids reacting to the story and fern telling the story which is actually a really effective decision by the animators or whoever directed this episode because um you know what is portrayed in the show is never going to be as good or scary as what your imagination pictures, which is exactly what the kids are feeling, right? So I thought that was a really effective decision in terms of kind of getting the audience to feel the same way the kids do. And there's a lot of really, really great little details in that sequence as well. Like you said, Fred's delivery is really good, but there's lots of great details of like, there's a quick shot of Arthur gripping his uh, lunch tray and fear and and lots of little stuff like that that makes that scene pretty effective there's also a hitchcock zoom on buster which i appreciated so yeah it's fern's fern's tale is so scary that everybody essentially runs away screaming and uh like and i had the note here as well i like how they never show the thing i thought that was very effective and so the next day everything is back to normal everything's sunny they can finally go outside and fern uh is talking to them but everybody is still can't stop thinking about how scary Fern's story was, which is uh, uh, how I am after I play scary games. It's just like, <laughs> oh, the, oh, the xenomorphs coming to get me! I can't go. I can't go out of the hallway. It's too dark. They can't. They they pick up on some of Fern's lines, like the satisfied slurp of the monster and the uh, yeah, yeah. Some great lines from this episode. Uh, I just couldn't sleep. Uh, I kept hearing the satisfying slurp. Uh, my favorite was, uh, why did you have to tell us about the thing? Yeah, I was so happy before. <laughs> <laughs> Which every time they, they, so they always refer to the monster in this episode of, as the thing. And I can't help but picture, you know, Kurt Russell and, and like, the, 
Yeah, the Don't John Carpenter it. film. Yeah, of course. That uh, especially I, later on in the episode, uh, DW kind of proposes adding to the lore, very SCP esque, adding to the lore as <laughs> as you go along. But uh, DW kind of proposes that the thing could break into a bunch of tiny little things, and I'm just picturing like a bunch of scenes from the movie flash before my eyes. Yeah, exactly. I thought of the same thing, and uh, I got uh, speaking speaking of John Carpenter, I got Halloween and the thing on Blu-ray, so that's going to be a great. Uh, it's going to be a good Halloween in the young in the young family house. Uh, I also forgot to mention during Arthur's story about the clown underwear when he when his pants fall down and you see the clown underwear, uh, him wearing it. There's like a just a uh, an unbroken shot of just Arthur's donk. Like just never thought that we'd zoom in on Arthur's butt, but like they definitely do. And it, oh, oh, he now, yeah, he. I got to be careful what I say here because I almost <laughs> said three things that I thought would be funny, and then I was like, ah, actually, Lucas, you know what? Let's just move on. It, it is what it is. It's just a little odd. I never thought that we would uh, focus on Arthur's rear this much. There's, there's so many things I could say, yeah. but I, I, some things are better left unsaid. But, but yeah, best kept off air. And uh, listeners, you can make your own, you can make your own jokes, but uh, don't send them to us. Just uh, keep them, keep them in your head. And I'm sure, I'm sure they're fine. Uh, so Fern, uh, you know, kind of laughs at how scared everybody is, uh, and she says, "I could make an, ev- I could think of an even scarier story than that if I actually tried." And man, I want to hear Fern's scariest story so bad. <laughs> oh. uh it's it's actually will it's disappointing because uh her scariest story is the scariest story of them all which is our current climate emergency Ooh, there's no scarier story than reality this well th- maybe that's it <laughs> reality is a story told by fern oh my gosh she's the she's the storyteller behind it all it's like the never-ending story oh wow so her friends are Li- uh, like literally avoiding her they're terrified of her um for yeah it's, their overreaction to this is kind of comical uh like <laughs> arthur sees her like lugging what they he finds to be a sack of books but it, like first it looks kind of like she's lugging a dead body or something to the library and uh yeah it's filled with scarier pants off club books uh the Second ha- second part of this story takes place at the library. Fern's bringing all these scare your pants off books for a book sale, which Miss um, Turner is wondering why she's doing that. And she said, "Well, ever since I read stories like Frankenstein, scare your pants off seems a little a little uh, tame." Which I love that this this whole episode is a sly advertisement for the story of Frankenstein, which is one of my favorite books. Mm. A little bit above the reading level of some kids who might be watching this, but I imagine that there might be some other kids who uh, are at a higher reading level who would be ready to read something like that. Even even in like your illustrated classic sense, or even just to check out like the movie or something. Again, movie, one of my favorite movies ever. Love it. I love Frankenstein. I want- wait, wait, wait. Which which Frankenstein adaptation? The original. Uh, the uh, black the black and white version. Oh, with Boris uh, Karloff. Or uh, whatever his name is? Yes, yes. Uh, okay, with okay. Boris Karloff and Colin Clive. Yeah, no, I've I watched that a couple of times uh, during my film uh, school days, and yeah, I love that movie to death. It's so good. Um, I just love I just love the Fra- uh, Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monsters characters. Uh, I'm watching a, a show right now called Penny Dreadful, which is uh, you know kind of kind of schlocky. It's uh, 
you know, very sex and violence, and it's not exactly meant to be high art, but uh, Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster figure into that, and that's uh, one of my favorite parts of the show. Well, as we've discussed, Will, I only watch high art uh, television shows, <laughs> such as uh, Arthur and uh, WWE Raw and uh, Love Island. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's, you know, it's pretty pretty nuanced, pretty highbrow, so I don't know if this is for me. Okay. I, I, I understand. My wife makes fun of me for watching Penny Dreadful, so, uh, you know, it, I, I, I like it. <laughs> Whereas she would see me as the elect- intellectual I am <laughs> me, for watching me, Love Island. Me, an intellectual WWE yeah. SmackDown. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so Arthur, Buster, and Muffy, and DW come to the book sale, but uh, Buster gives them cloves of garlic to ward off uh, Fern, and he Buster has a, a line. Yeah, I lo- this part is like a great little detail. Of this I- episode is that he just says Prudella said uh, they would they would like repel evil or something, mm. and I just love this idea that like whenever the kids need any sort of like spiritual advice, Prudella's <laughs> always there. Like Prudella is like basically the the caricature of in a horror movie where they bring in someone to like exercise the ghost, or there's like the specialist they go see that like tells them, oh, this is you know Pazuzu from Mesopotamia. I've I've seen this before like that kind of character this is bagul (laughs) yes yes exactly that one actor that's in all of those movies with the glasses that like sometimes he plays a blind guy do you know who i'm talking about vincent d'onofrio yeah 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 exactly uh perdella is perdella as portrayed by vincent (laughs) d'onofrio that would be awesome Henry, Henry. Now I'm just picturing Prunella's kingpin like Henry Scriva. You embarrassed me in front of Vanessa. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Fern is helping Miss Turner run this book sale, and Buster like brandishes like he was waving the clove of garlic at her, going, "Be gone, Queen of Darkness! Your powers mean nothing here." Be gone, thought. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and. Brunella's like I'm not the I'm not the queen of darkness and then they have a you know the lights accidentally go out and because as Miss Turner calls it electrical hubris which is the name of my new album but it's because they put mm. in this big fancy sign for the book sale and it blew the fuse. Uh they actually name drop a couple of books here including Captain Underpants and The Wrath of the Wicked Wedgie Woman. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Classic. Yeah, so uh, Miss Turner's talking about all the other non-scary books that they have at the sale, like Captain Underpants and uh, Old Yeller, which is kind of a sad one. Captain Underpants as the funny one. This would have been right around the time when I would have discovered Captain Underpants, so like The Wrath of the Wicked Wedgie Woman would have been probably the newest one, which is right when it was like cresting that initial wave of popularity. Like after, like the, we're talking like the first four or five books. I loved Captain Underpants when I was a kid. Oh yeah, hitters from back to front to back, like certified slappers. And that was also a big, uh, a big item for the Scholastic Book Fair that uh, would happen every once in a while. I'm pretty sure I got all of my Captain Underpants books from the Scholastic Book Fair. Now, was that something that you would have done? Oh yeah, for sure. I was a big fan of the Scholastic Book Fair. Um, I don't know if I. My mom was a librarian, right? So I, I she was never. Um, I was always excited about the Scholastic Book Fair and would circle stuff. And mom's like, "You realize I could just get this for the library for free for you." <laughs> uh, so she was always a big proponent in that. But every once in a while, should we would order something? I don't remember what, but uh, it was always an exciting time. 
I always wanted to order the computer games, but they... Yes, I, I was just going to bring up, I always just wanted to order Axis and Allies for, like, the RTS <laughs> game for PC. That's, like, what I really wanted from the Celastic Book Fair. Uh, yeah, I wanted to get, like, Roller Coaster Tycoon or... Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I forget some of the other PC games in there, but that those were the things I always wanted. The stuff near the back of the catalog that only the rich kids could get. You know, I, I think I had a limit of, like, $10, so it was, like, I can get a chapter book and a, a Bug's Life flip book. And that was about it and, uh, for one book order. But uh, it was still, what a great time. What a great time to be a student. And I think they still do them today in some regard. I hope so, at least. It was such a fun It was such a fun thing, especially as a young uh, uh, reader. Uh, so uh, Fern decides that she can actually, she says to her friends who are literally cowering from her, uh, that she the story that she told doesn't have to be scary. She can make it so that a lot of details in the story can actually be good. And I mean, this isn't, this isn't a comment of the episode, but I, I did not like this of just like having to kowtow your original vision because fans think it's too scary. Yeah. This is some real, like, uh, uh, this is some real 30 WWE writers all throwing whatever they whatever they can at the wall and see what sticks. You know what I mean? There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen here. So Fern says, you know, instead of a, you know, thing, it could be a golden dragon that leads you to treasure, to which Muffy is like, gold is good, platinum is better. And platinum dragon, I don't know, it just doesn't have the same oomph as a golden dragon, but, you know. No, pl- Platinum Dragon sounds like some sort of awful uh, hair metal revival band, like Steel Panther <laughs> or something. I, I was thinking maybe a uh, Chikara wrestling trainee, but... Oh, that would be much better. <laughs> uh, but they kind of catch on, and, you know, Fern can tell stories other than that. But the episode ends with something that I actually really appreciated, which is DW, who said, you know, is like screaming at Fern, you know, stop, stop. That's not how the story went. And Arthur's like, you didn't even hear the original story. But BW has been around as Arthur's been probably just pacing the pacing the floor, just talking about the satisfied slurp and the the talons and everything. And so DW actually has suggestions for making the story even scarier. So I agree with DW. Fan edits ruined this story. But uh, if we get back to what it's originally all about, you know, it's kind of like the Halloween movies. You know, the studio interference ruins some of the later the later movies. And then what you had to do is you had to get back to what it was, what it was all about, which is why this new Halloween movie was so good. Anyway, uh, that's, I still that's, haven't that, seen that, that's, it. I still, that's my interpretation. I still haven't seen it. So I, I actually I got an order in from Amazon recently, and I bought that movie. I th- think that. You have to be a certain diehard Halloween fan to really appreciate it. Like, I could see people watching that movie who like the original Halloween, and you watch that, and you're like, yeah, right, that's pretty good. I love it because I'm a Halloween's one of my absolute favorite movies, and I'm such a such a fan of Michael Myers and Halloween and everything, and I thought this was just a, a slam dunk, and I can't wait to do a double feature with the original this year. I would I would really recommend I would recommend you see it at least once. Oh yeah, no, I'll definitely check it out when it, it, it you know Spooktober's almost here. It's gonna be all horror movies all month. So, yeah, baby. Uh, I'll take the opportunity. All right. 
So uh, uh, DW takes Fern away. Like you said earlier, it's like, what if the thing turned into a bunch of little things? And Buster and Arthur cover their ears and go, we can't hear you. We can't hear you. And that's how that ends. All right. So we go from something spooky and uh, we're going to get into something a little bit less spooky right after this. And now a word from me, Lucas Mancini of Elwood City Limits. Don't forget to chat with your Elwood City Limits pals on social media with Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits or at ECL Podcast on Twitter. We also have a Tumblr, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com, and an Instagram, at Elwood City Limits. If you want to send us a question, send us an email and get it read on the show at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. You can find the entire episode archive at elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com or on your favorite podcast service. If we aren't on your preferred podcast app, let us know, and we'll do our best to get on it. Thanks, as always, for supporting us here at Elwood City Limits. Now, back to the show. So we go from a Fern episode, which, first of all, great. Like, no notes. Excellent. To what is secretly a binky episode we should be not so only lucky. not not only a binky episode right this binky episode really came out of nowhere because it's called dw's dancing queen so we're like oh it's a dw episode i think i even said that last episode where i was like oh dw episodes are always kind of fun nice change of pace but this is a binky and dw combo which we haven't seen for a minute now not since like season three or four right mm-hmm. and as we get into this it uh i wonder where this might be in the timeline of things, but uh, we'll get into that in a second. Uh, the cold open is talking about what if different people were teachers other than Mr. Ratburn, who is giving a particularly boring lecture on plows, like different types once again, of plows. Once again, similar to the cold open of the last episode we watched, immediately engaged with this one. <laughs> it's, it's hard not to be. Yeah, so uh, Arthur's examples are Buster, who comes in riding a motorcycle and is, like, doing the, uh, you know, something like I effing love science and just, like, you know, hey, kids, if you mix these two chemicals together, they explode. It's not only that, though. It's the bike. It's the sunglasses. It's the jacket. The keytar music that's playing in the background. Yeah. Uh, this is real just something special. I think Buster looks a little bit like Joey Janela here, the bad boy. There's a lot of Joeys he looks like. He looks like Uncle Joey yeah. from uh, Full House. Mm-hmm. He's got, you know, he's got that vibe of the teacher from uh, um, Boy Meets World that's like the cool teacher who has the motorcycle. Like, Oh, uh, yeah. I know, there's, a I, lot going on, there's a lot going on with this. <laughs> uh, he imagines Brain as a teacher who creates a device that allows him to beam lessons directly into his students' heads. So, so student, it's like a, a wave goes over them and then suddenly the students know everything about the dingo. And then he, yeah, very matrix. I know Kung Fu. (laughs) I know the dingo and Binky is his final example. But even in this one, Binky's trying to demonstrate a math problem and then screams at the heavens. Everybody knows I'd be a lousy teacher, even in a fantasy. So a little bit meta here. I appreciate that. And this is where this is where I realized, oh, it's a Binky episode because it ends with kind of the the spotlight on him and him supposedly not being a very good teacher. Now, can you do 17 times 12 off the top of your dome? Uh, okay. Uh, yes. 
Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. I, I most cer- gun to my head, I'm dead man. I'm splattered all over the floor if you give me 17 um, times 12. Um, There's no way you're going to be able to do this in your head. That's crazy. 194. I mean, I have no way of... Let's just... Uh, use, uh, use the calculator on, on, on your... Uh, Oh wow, the hubris! Use a calculator, he demands. Let's take a look. No, I'm, no, I'm serious. I, I, no, I'm, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I, 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 Seventeen times twelve. Use a calculator. Look it up. What, what, what was it again? What did you say? I said, I said 194. So you're, you're, you're twenty off. It's two hundred and four. Oh man. Ah. Wait, wait, no, not twenty. Wait, see, shows how good I am at math. You're, uh, sixteen. Ah, uh, oh, wait. No, twenty off. Because because se- seventeen times ten is a hundred seventy. Well, I really don't like doing math. Oh, I really don't no, want to uh, talk about this anymore. <laughs> no, actually, you're right. I am off. Uh, it was. Hang on. No, I think it's still one hundred ninety four. No, it's it's two it's two hundred four. Will I just I just did the math. I just plugged it. Into the okay, computer. okay. I, I I believe you. I believe you. Uh, I'm just uh, I'm wondering how I counted that up wrong. Anyway, I am also not great at math, but uh, am discovering lately that my mental math is actually not bad. But it's not perfect, kids. It's okay. I don't have to be the best at everything. But uh, thankfully, I have a fact checker here with me. Uh, yeah, so uh, 17 times 12 is indeed uh, what Binky was uh, uh, couldn't solve as a teacher. So the idea of this episode is that the preschool kids, the kids from DW's preschool, are being paired up with a buddy at uh, Lakewood Elementary, which is why DW is around the cafeteria at the beginning of this episode and telling embarrassing stories about Arthur, much to his chagrin. So... Uh, the pairings that we see, or at least that are explicitly mentioned, are Arthur and Buster and the Tibble Twins, which isn't the focus of the episode, but is kind of the background gag, and Binky and DW. Now, this kind of purports that they've never met each other before, which is... Yeah, and, and in fact, now that you kind of mentioned, like, asking where this takes place in the timeline, um, I feel like the last Binky and DW episode did involve ballet. It was the... Uh, well, okay, so there was the green chip one, the 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 two part episode, and then the one before that. Yeah, and don't they do a ballet about the green chip? Yeah, that's that's the joke at the end of the second part of the episode is that Binky does that, and they know each other uh, by their names. And then there's another one where DW calls him Big Head Kid, and I forget what the idea behind that was, but like she knows who he is. So I'm guessing that this one takes place before any of that stuff. I guess. I mean, for reflexive continuity. But uh, so they're trying to like find some common ground. And I, (laughs) I really liked Binky's opening line of, uh, you know, DW saying like, I like ponies. And Binky's like, eh, do you also like professional wrestling? Which, (laughs) again, this is like two weeks in a row. I feel very seen with uh, with Binky here. It's just like I'm all all me and Binky always bringing the conversation back to professional wrestling. It's uh the the way this scene is blocked in that it's like okay the full frame is Binky's like straight on face and Mm. then the full frame is DW straight on face both asking like what do you like. Uh, There's a certain genre of TikTok 
where it's like a uh, person sits next to you in class POV TikToks. Mm-hmm. And it's always like a very specific genre of person. So like there's a bunch of them where it's like, oh, do you like Homestuck? I really like Homestuck. Like, and it's just like <laughs> this person looking directly into the camera, pretending that they're like a person you wouldn't want to talk to in the lunchroom. Uh, and there's like hundreds of these. And so this this really reminded me of those uh, sits next to you POV TikTok uh, that sort of beeb. You know, I, uh, I'm to understand that TikTok is either slowly or not so slowly becoming the new vine. So I'm, con- Oh, I've been saying this, Will. I've been out here saying this. you have, you have. And I'm wondering if maybe it's time for me to give it another shot. Take the plunge. One of us, one of us. Well, if, uh, if I do get the new TikTok, you guys will be the first to know if I get another TikTok. We'll, we'll see. I'm still thinking about it. I'm like one bad day away from getting a TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? Or no, I'm one bad, day, one bad day away from making TikToks. That's how my life's going. I see. So you have one, but you don't make them. Yes. That kind of surprises me. I feel like you would do some pretty good ones. Oh, 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 that's very sweet of you to say, but unfortunately I, I still have some semblance of my dignity left, so I will not be making any adult TikToks anytime soon. It's a, it's a, it's a young person's game, yeah? Yes, for sure, for sure. Yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's best, maybe it's best to just let them have what they have and not horn in on, you know, a place where kids can be kids. I don't know. Um <laughs> uh, so Binky Binky also mentions the names of two wrestlers, Hannibal the head the headmasher and Brutus the bone crusher. Always interested to hear fake wrestling names. So the idea for this whole thing them being paired together is that um they are to create a presentation of some type you know, like a, a skit or a show or something. And DW's idea is that, you know, she says, you know, I like pink things and unicorns and all this kind of stuff, very girl, typically girly stuff, and Binky is not cool with it. But DW brings out a bunch of props, like a like a fuzzy, fuzzy pink boa and, you know, wants to do something related to the stuff she likes, and Binky is very against it. And DW says that, well, if you don't do what I what I say, you'll get an F. And Binky comes back with, well, if you don't do what I say, you'll get an F. And DW says, well, I'm in preschool. We don't have grades. And Binky thinks about what potentially he could be doing with DW. And it's this basically just DW riding him like a horsey as everybody laughs at him. And he's like, forget it. I'll take the F. And it just so happens that Arthur has to watch a monster truck rally for his presentation with the Tibbles. And he turns on the TV to an ad for Thunderdance. Now, did this remind you of anything, Lucas? Yeah, of course. Riverdance. So Riverdance and Lord of the Dance is what it reminded me of as well. I remember trying to watch Riverdance as a kid because I think I've heard of it through parody or some sort of cultural osmosis and being really, really bored by it. Okay. I think it's kind of the perfect thing for kids to find boring. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I was really, with each consecutive word, that sentence got more and more confusing to me. I was like, is Will about to call Riverdance the perfect thing? <laughs> no. Uh, but what I what I am saying is it's, it's, it's just something that I can't imagine appealing to practically any child. Because <laughs> this reminded me that, so it's based off of Riverdance, yes, because they do like the 
the uh, the kick line thing, and I, I know it's not a kick line, but you know, but it also reminded me of Lord of the Dance, which I don't know very much about, but I it did seem like I at one point, you know, the lead character of Thunder Dance strikes the Lord of the Dance pose, which I've seen before because my grandmother, my Baba, she owned a copy on VHS of the Lord of the Dance, which I believe is also influenced by Irish culture. And, uh, yeah, so he does, he does like the, it kind of looks like when Hogan would do the bicep up and arm straight out pose. So he does that. And I think that was the pose from the, the cover of the Lord of the Dance VHS. Anyway, I'm kind of putting this together from scrupulous sources, but it's just an interesting, uh, parody to put in your kid's show. Something that probably their parents would recognize. Anyway, this inspires uh, both DW and Binky because it involves uh, dancing, colorful characters, and as Binky says, wrestling. So uh, they want to do something similar to that. So Binky decides that in order for them to do this, he has to teach DW how to dance. So first he tries to teach her some ballet moves, which uh, we get to hear all the French French pronunciations of. Uh, including uh, Grand Jeté, or as DW says, Grand Jetty, Grand Jetty. Yeah, this the, the DW yelling Grand Jetty was uh, definitely a highlight of the episode. That's one I still think of. Like, I'll just think of Grand Jetty. And this this kind of whole montage of of uh well not really a montage but this whole sequence of Biggie being the master DW being the pupil has a lot of really great moments you know there's DW dancing with the lamp uh there's when Biggie shows up to her house in full like suit as a teacher uh and he goes you're late and DW goes how can I be late this is my house uh yeah so he kind of takes the job of teaching seriously we also see uh Rattles and Molly pass by the uh the house is he teaching DW how to dance and they are and they think they got him red handed they're just like ah he's doing something girly or you know you know ooh, ooh la la he's doing dance uh but you're right so he he comes to the Binky comes to the house in a suit and is taking the job very seriously he shows her footage of Gene Kelpie which is a dog in the style of Gene Kelly which I thought was funny uh, doing like a dance with a mop, and DW tries to do do it with a lamp, but it doesn't go so well. Uh, and he also tries to show her how to tap dance, and he's got all of the terms for tap dancing, which I'm completely unfamiliar with, like uh, the over the top flea chop, and back like back to Cincinnati. It's actually pretty impressive how many dancing terms they used in both the ballet and the tap sessions. Yeah, like I, I mean, I'm so unfamiliar that I. I couldn't even tell you if they were real or fake so it's impressive to know that it's all real stuff uh so as binky leaves and he's still not having any success teaching dw uh rattles and molly think that they've caught him and they start making fun of him but then he quickly pivots and like this is a really great uh yes and here binky says no i wasn't or rather i guess it's a no but uh binky says i wasn't teaching her dance i was teaching her a martial art called kung fu young and, uh, yeah, he just kind of goes with it. And Rattles is fooled because he finds Binky's, like, cards, and they have stuff like Stomp and Over-the-Top Flea Chop, and they sound just enough like martial arts maneuvers, which is funny. I like that. And then they're kind of indignant. They're like, Binky, why did you teach us Kung Fu Young? Exactly. So now Binky's got two things that he's teaching. He's teaching Kung Fu Young, which is really just dance moves, 
to Molly and Rattles, and he's trying to teach DW, but he runs into the problem with both of them in that he's not a very effective teacher because this is actually a problem that I've run into in the past. Like, I find it hard to teach people things sometimes because when I know how to do something, it becomes (laughs) inherent knowledge, and it becomes hard to communicate like why you do something or the certain way that you do something because to me I've just always done it that way so it's hard to communicate it it reminds me of my Italian grandmother who bless her heart is probably the best cook I've ever met in my life but in terms of when she tries to teach someone else her recipe it's impossible because she'll be like a little bit of this a little bit of that like she just much like you described can't get the knowledge out of her head because it's such second nature Exactly. And I imagine it's it's something that uh, other people deal with as well. But I've I've related to it myself. And, you know, like Rattles and Molly, uh, like DW kind of also gets frustrated with Binky's method of teaching. But Rattles and Molly are like literally tell him like, well, we don't know. We don't know this stuff. We don't know what you mean by this term. And Binky's like, well, I thought everybody knew what that was, but it's because he's had training in dance that he knows what it is. And and would it kill and would it kill you to say something encouraging once in a while? So we get a little montage here after Binky kind of realizes his mistake of him training all three of them. And it's kind of nice. I I, I like this just the kind of feel goodery of it all. While he's showing a DW how to do a I guess a pirouette, he gets his ankle snagged on the carpet and twists it so he can't do the final dance number with DW at their presentation. Uh, But he finds a solution, which is to combine what he's been teaching, the Kung Fu Young he's been teaching with Rattles and Molly with DW's dance moves, and it actually goes over pretty well. Uh, What did you think of, uh, I loved Rattles' vest here. It It is a look and a half. Yeah, no, no. Fit check on everybody involved. Uh, it's 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 nothing but heat. You know, from DW. DW's to got the all vest. DW's got the all green ensemble. She's ready for St. Patrick's Day. Molly's just straight up dressed like a Visco girl. <laughs> What's a Visco girl? Oh, see, this will. I mean, I could give you the rundown right now, but uh, I mean, once you get that TikTok account, you'll you'll be well versed in what a Visco girl is. Okay. But I, I, the, the the cliff notes are a Visco girl. Okay. Here's here's in Visco Girl in thirty seconds or less. Okay, this is gonna be this is gonna be a new segment. Uh, uh, Lucas tells Will about youth culture. Okay, Visco Girl thirty seconds or less. Okay, yeah. Visco Girls is a genre of person who goes to high schools and they're usually younger girls who wear an overlarge pastel looking T-shirt. So it's extra large T-shirt. They wear a puka shell necklace. They walk around with a hydro flask and a metal straw and they drop their hydro flask and they go and I oops and I oops gotta save the turtles and that's basically a Visco Girl. They always have their hair in a messy bun and they walk around with scrunchies on their wrist. Whoa. Okay, but that's incredibly specific. And uh, they're a real thing. They're not just on TikTok. Uh, my little sister, who works at a clothing store in the mall, say they come into the mall all the time. Now, do they actually say "and I oops" in real life? I'm not sure, but they certainly do on TikTok. That cow's shirt makes so much more sense now. Did you see that? Did you see that like a week or two ago? Wait, there's a cow. There's a there's, there's a, a cow's there's visco a visco girl. There's a cow's no. visco girl shirt. No, 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 no. Okay, and I stop the podcast. This podcast is going long. This is a long one, but I have to. Th- that is the craziest thing I've heard. Now all it could week. now it could very well have been a parody or something. So I can't claim it's a hundred percent real. But I I saw that and I'm like I I know what and I oop is, but then it was the thing, and I no no okay. 
I, I have to, my, this must be found. Let me see this. This is this is. Okay. And and so that led me down a rabbit hole of figuring out what it means because I because I associated that with uh, with like ASMR, but okay, I guess that's not what that is. In the game of cones, uh, okay. The cows cows website pretty bad, eh? Uh, okay, just a cows. The cows brand pretty bad. Oh, okay. How could you say that with with such products as Moo Lander, which I didn't even know kids still knew about Highlander? Just a moment. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, uh, Moo down here. That's an that's an it parody. Cow story. Uh, Moo the North. I, f- I found th- I found this on Twitter. So, um, proudly Canadian. That might be a parody. Uh, ir- uh regardless. It's, yeah, it's it's, I need, it's, it's I, too specific. It's got. I need you. I regardless. I need you to send me that ASAP. I I'll, I'll do I'll do my best to find it. I really will. But this is uh this is all new to me. This wow this um. Hmm. This is a lot to take in at one time. I, I gotta be. I gotta be honest. It just seems. It just seems incredibly specific to me. Like all all these things that you mentioned. But well, we we haven't even gotten into e girls. Do you know about e girls? No. Like that. It, might, that, might, that might be something for uh, another podcast because I think there's only so many TikTok descriptions the the audience will allow us. But but okay. So so last question about this. Um. It, 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 are, did the, these things came into popularity from TikTok? Um, I I don't know if TikTok. I, I think so actually. I think TikTok is the origin of the Visco girl. I mean, Visco girls came into popularity from Visco, and then people on TikTok started making fun of them, and then it kind of became this this its own thing. Okay, all right. I'll look this up on my own time because I'm sure that some of our younger listeners might be screaming at me that I don't know what this is. Anyway, the end of the episode, which we're at right now, is that DW's uh, uh, thing went over really well. Uh, Riles and Molly are none the wiser that they actually perform ballet. Uh, they just thought it was Kung Fu Young. And uh, Binky gifts DW his first pair of ballet slippers, which he is far too small for, but she'll grow into them. And Binky says that you got to listen to your heart, listen to the beat, listen to the rhythm, the rhythm of the street. And when I was a kid, I felt so smart that I recognized the Arthur lyrics. No, this is like a top 10 Arthur ending. Like this, this really like. Art Garfunkel walking into the distance vibes of like the music kind of swells in and Biggie's like, you got to listen to your heart. Listen to the beat. And they're like, Biggie, where'd you hear that? He's like, I don't know. I just heard it somewhere. And I was like, oh, something about this ending. It just puts a warm feeling in my heart. Yeah. And there's like DW trying on Binky's Binky's shoes and kind of going like, whoa, which is it's cute. I thought I I, I liked it. It, uh, it. It was nice. And what's wrong with nice? All right. Uh, like you said, we're running. We're getting a bit on here, but before we say goodbye, of course, let's talk about these uh, episodes. Lucas, your thoughts on Frankenstein's monster? Uh, I love Frankenstein's monster. Uh, uh, you know, just the uh, SCP nature of it, of all these kids kind of just coming up with these really creative horror things. I think I'm ready for Halloween. I'm ready for Spooktober. So um, I was really kind of fiending for this sort of episode. Uh, it's a really great Fern episode in that it's not really based on any anxiety Fern has or anything like that. It's just her being a better storyteller than the rest of the kids and then being so scared they're like avoiding talking to her, which is kind of a ridiculous situation. And it almost goes too far where I'm like, these kids are being so unreasonable over nothing. But that 
doesn't act, it's a really concise episode. It feels really short. I'm not sure if it actually is shorter or not, but um, it feels like it flies by where it's just them telling all their stories, them freaking out about Fern, them all meeting in the library, and then kind of realizing the monster doesn't have to be so bad. But it's like boom, 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 never a dull moment. And there's tons of quotable moments in there. You know, I just couldn't sleep, the satisfying slurp. Well, that's Frankenstein for you. It's a work in progress. All that stuff is really good. The cold open, it's a fun episode unsurprisingly i loved it too it's a a fern focused episode which is always extra points in my book and it's a very it's very celebratory of uh both reading and the art of storytelling which i think is i think is really cool i loved that they uh made a thing out of like telling each other stories which i feel like is a little bit of a lost art these days and uh yeah just the and of course i loved the uh slobbering over frankenstein i love frankenstein so it really feels like an episode made for me it pretty much ticked all the boxes it was you know it 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 wasn't you know scary quote unquote but it did use some cool techniques to you know kind of uh, put forth that Fern was telling something really, uh, really frightening. And uh, I just, there's not too much to say. I just really, really loved it. Uh, it's definitely my favorite of the season so far. And um, yeah, I just it just made me really happy. Uh, now, not quite as intensely, but I did really like DW Dancing Queen as well, because of course I was so pleased that it was a Binky episode. Um, but also I, I do love the chemistry that he has with DW. I find that they really bring out the best of each other in those types of episodes. It's usually like if, you know, depending on the pairing of two certain characters, it can really make an episode that much better. Like Binky and DW, Prunella and Marina, Arthur and Buster, and so on and so forth. Uh, I thought that this was, a an interesting one very very light but also uh uplifting uh i liked the whole idea of binky both te- learning to teach dance and kung fu young I, th- I, th- I think that was a really fun way to kind of add a bit of a wrinkle to this story the stakes aren't very high but i think it was still a lot of fun to watch yeah, no, I, uh, sometimes the stakes don't need to be high. You know, when Certainly I realized not. this was going to be a DW, uh, Binky episode, I could almost pre-add it to my, I'm actually keeping a list of my favorite episodes, uh, this season, because I got tired of forgetting which ones I liked and reading the Wikipedia article of all the episodes of the season at the end, when we do those kind of recap episodes. Yeah. So I was like, gosh darn it, this time I'm actually going to mark down every time I, like, feel especially good about an episode, and... These two got added to the list, right? Including DW's Dancing Queen. I'll always be a sucker for a Binky episode, let alone a Binky and DW episode. They play off each other so much. I mean, this whole episode's kind of dynamic is summed up in that one sequence where Binky's like, well, do you like wrestling? And DW's like, what about ponies? Um, Again, uh, lots of great quotable lines. Uh, Of course, like, do you like professional wrestling? How could I be late? This is my house. Uh, of course, I can't read your flashcards. I can't read. Uh, I, think Mr. <laughs> I think Mr. Barnes has a few screw loo- screws loose. Um, wh- what's a plie anyway? Uh, just nonstop good writing. Um, fun stuff from the tough customers with being confused and thinking they're learning a martial art. You know, we get the big E, we get to dance, and he's frustrated over not being a good teacher. I don't know. I, I, I thought this episode was kind of a joy to watch from start to finish as well. Great one-two punch this week. Yeah, really. And it really, it picked up the spirits yesterday. I came home from work yesterday. I was not in a great mood, and I watched this episode, and I felt immediately better. Such is the power of Arthur, and I think we uh, continue to discover that as we keep doing this show. 
And that's going to do it for us for this week. Uh, All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. And uh, we may be coming at you. The next episode of Elwood City Limits may just have a very special guest as part of our lineup. Oh, yeah, that's exciting stuff uh, coming up. Um, I guess this episode's coming up on Friday, right? That's right. Oh, well, Friday, maybe maybe Saturday. But um, maybe gonna, Saturday. Going to try for either, either way, if you're listening to this now, you know, we have the Elwood City Limits Teespring store. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to try to put up a, a, a pinned post whenever this episode comes out on the uh, socials, specifically Twitter. Uh, if you don't want to type in the big long El, uh, Teespring uh, slash Elwood dash city dash limits dash store on i know that url is a little bit clunky what are you gonna do uh but uh i do have some good news and that is you can now get for the month of october we're celebrating spooktober by giving you 30 percent off everything in the elwood city limits teespring store uh just type in promo code binky that's promo code binky at your checkout and you're gonna get 30 percent off uh so, come on, girls and ghouls, head on over to the Teespring store, get some merch. Uh, we got some, you know, tasteful tanks uh, uh, and T-shirts, you know, and they come in different flavors, both uh, white, black, or the, what I would recommend, classic Arthur Yellow, as well as a, a hoodie as well. Word. I'm going to have to cop some of that myself. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the month of October. We are happy to make it even uh, an even more celebratory time of the year by giving you a special discount uh, over at our Teespring store. And thanks to everybody who showed interest in it. Uh, this is your chance to uh, cop some of that sweet ECL merch at a discount. Of course, what discount uh, word could it be but Binky? Coming up next time here on Elwood City Limits, and perhaps with a uh, a special guest at hand, we're going to be talking about the episodes Vomitrocious and Sue Ellen Chickens Out. Oh, I'm. This season has been hitting all the hitters. Okay, we got a Pinky episode, we got a Fern episode, now we're getting a Sue Ellen episode. What a, you know, what a, a what riches. It's 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 a it's a full it's a full bag of candy, isn't it? Oh my goodness gracious. It really is Spooktober, Will. <laughs> and we'll and we'll be seeing you in Spooktober very, very soon. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini. Uh, yeah, before we go, can I just hear from the goose? I think he's still around here somewhere. Is oh, the goose uh, still in the studio? Yeah, uh sorry. One second. Let me... Hey! <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm Lucas Mancini, and and for the goose, back, 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 back. See see you next time, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>